Welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. My name is Edwin Colon. I'm the senior pastor here, and I'm grateful that we get to study God's word together. Today we're going to talk about your words. We're going to talk about how your words have the power to destroy everything around you. We were, as a little kid, I was about six or seven years old. My brother's about five years older than me, and we were playing this game um, called Simon Says. Anybody ever played Simon Says? Okay. So my brother was a, a lot older than me, and um, we grew up in a bad neighborhood, so what can you do? So this is going to sound really bad, but this was like a very gross Simon Says, right? So my, my brother told us, and, and the reason I bring this up is because I still remember it till this day. He goes, Simon says, you know, swing like this. And, you know, Simon says, touch your knees. Simon says, reach up. Simon. And then he goes back to, Simon says, swing like this. And then he goes, Simon says, say, I'm a piece of crap. He didn't use the word crap. You get where this is going. I remember saying that, and I still remember that. I still remember what I felt and what I thought. And scary enough, that quote has come up. It's come up into my heart more than once. Words are powerful. Not only the words that we tell other people, but the words that we tell ourselves. Have you ever paused to think about what you say when you talk to yourself? I mean, it could be so violent. It could be so ruthless. Because of that, we need to talk about the power of words. Now, we are in a book called James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. He writes this book to a church, or writes a letter, I should say. He writes a letter to a church, and he Gives him instruction. He's super practical. So we started the series. We literally started on chapter 1, verse 1. We're now in chapter 3, verse 1. And we're going to be reading the first 12 verses of chapter 3. But I'm telling you, it's all about our words. This is super important to us because I'm telling you, words are going to affect your future. Words are going to affect the quality of your future. Words are going to affect your life. In fact, you and I can remember some of the deepest pains in our life were caused by words that were said by another person. Maybe it was a parent. You ain't nothing. You ain't never going to be nothing. Maybe it was a sibling. Maybe it was a, a teacher. They could come from any part of our lives. I remember there was this, um, this uh, like uh, award-winning actress, and she won an Oscar. And she said something like, you know, uh, you know, I win the Oscar, and then the next day, like, the mailman comes, and he says, oh, you know, I thought that so-and-so should have got, won that. You know, and she said that that cut through everything. Imagine that. Like, if you get an Oscar, they're literally saying that there's nobody 
in this category that acted better than you? By your peers, like the, by the professionals who should know such a thing. Words are powerful. Man, I think about like as I've been preparing for this message, about my own words, that's the hazard of being a pastor. You don't want to be a pastor, right? Because then you have to like look at yourself and the same, you know, before you, and, and just this week alone. In fact, it was maybe last week or two weeks ago. I was speaking to my wife and with tears in her eyes, she said, Edwin, it's too much. It's too much. We can use our words to bless people. We can use our words to wear people down. We can use our words to hurt people. I weep over the words that I've used to hurt those that I love. But it's something we all struggle with, isn't it? Now, you need, if you're not a Christian, this message is important for you because it's just good practical advice that James is giving that everyone should acknowledge. And so if you don't know Jesus, you don't have to believe in Jesus. Now. We would love for you to come to Christ. We would love. I think it's a beautiful thing. But if you're just kicking the Christian tires, you should know that what we're speaking about is going to affect your life. If you are a Christian, you really need to hear this. Because we are going to spend time together. We're a family. That's why this series, This Is Us, we're learning about how to relate with one another. And so... How we're going to do that a lot is through our words. Words are more powerful than bullets. Listen to me. Think about this. I could be on the other side of the world, and my bullets will not hurt you. But I could be on the other side of the world and still harm you with my words, destroy you. It just takes a couple of sentences. I have three daughters. I could devastate them in three sentences, I'm sure. And they could devastate me in three sentences, right? Words are powerful. Words are powerful. So words are not only words are powerful to us. Words are powerful over us. Words are powerful about us. And words are powerful through us because they're powerful. But here's the thing about words, guys, and this is a big deal. Words are not equal. Words are not equal. Isn't it interesting that we never forget harsh words, but it's like really hard to remember positive words? Have you noticed that? Because words don't have equal weight. We never forget harsh words. It's hard to remember positive words. I can remember all sorts of terrible things that people have told me, but I'm not nearly as good at remembering any compliments. In fact, internally, I have a defense against kind words. Do you have this defense as well? People will say something nice to me, and I'll think to myself, yeah, but if you only know. <laughs> people will say to me something like, Yo, that was like an amazing, that was like the best sermon I ever heard. I was like, wow, so you haven't been around for a while, right? <laughs> like the things that I say to myself, right? Negative words need no evidence for me. For me, positive words do. Because they're not equally weighted. They're not, they're not the same. So today we're going to take a look at a very long, not a very long passage, but a pretty long passage 
And we're going to find out what God would have us to learn about words. James is going to come back to this topic again. In, in fact, at the very end of chapter 1, James gives like a table of contents uh, for the entire book. And James is interested in serving the poor, not judging, and our words. Those are the things that James is super interested in. And today, he's going to talk about words, but he's going to bring it up again. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. We have another tradition in our church, and that is we stand at the reading of God's word. So, are you with me, guys? Because like I'm telling you, for some of you, you're on the brink of divorce. And it's because of words. For some of you, your kids don't want to have anything to do with you. And it's because of words. You, you get what I'm saying? Words are a big deal. They're a big deal. And so here's what James would say to us. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships for, as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by such a strong wind, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praises and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Now, the great temptation as I speak this message to you right now is to go, oh my gosh, why isn't my husband here? Why isn't my kid here? Why isn't my, why isn't my boss here? The temptation is to think that this message applies to somebody else. I'm telling you, this message applies to the speaker and to the, it only applies to two people, to the speaker and to the person sitting in your seat. Those are the only two people that this message applies to. So please, don't think about how others could be benefited by this. I mean, think about that and send them the message and tell them about your repentance. But it's not a, this message is not a weapon that you can take to someone else. Let's get into this because we don't have a whole lot of time. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Very quickly, I, you could spend, I was literally tempted to spend an entire um, sermon on this sentence. 
and I decided that this is not a group of pastors, so we don't need to go that deep into it. But here's the deal. If you're going to teach, yesterday I was at the Day of Delighting, half of it. I, was, I could only stay for half of it because I didn't feel so good, still don't, and um, just needed to get some rest. And so stayed for half of it, and um, th they had people at each table, and the people at each table were directing and speaking. And I was sitting there and super sensitive to the, what the leader in my table was saying. As I was like, wow, this is how serious this is. Every word that comes out of, so he says, listen, and, and, and James is saying this because where they were, the people who were coming to Jesus were of the bottom class. They weren't like honored or celebrated. This is why the, the black and the brown church is so important to our communities, right? Because in, in the 50s and the 60s, in, in any time throughout um, American history, when you had the church, you had the black and the brown church, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. Why would they do that? Because it was the only place you could get honor was in the body of believers. And so we would dress really well at our, our Sunday best, because it was the only place we could get dignity in all of society. And so the bottom of the bottom, so you could imagine from that, because they got no respect from nowhere else, people would want the prestige of becoming a teacher. They would want the prestige. And so you could see that James was watching people becoming teachers that A, weren't qualified, and B, didn't understand the weight of the office. And so he was like, don't be so fast. Don't be so fast. And then he says this really controversial thing. He goes, because we'll be judged more strictly or we judge double. Well, what's the point here? There's a couple of things that we need to acknowledge. Number one, if you are in Christ, no, I'm fine, thank you. You are in Christ, you are judged already. You're judged in Christ. You're judged righteous and holy, and perfect. Isn't that like good news? Okay, so there's, there's judging, and then there's judging. Now, let me give you an example of that. My daughter and my youngest son, my youngest daughter and my youngest son are about 10 years apart. He's six, she's 16. Sometimes uh, they get into squabbles, and it's really funny to watch only, you know, but I'm a parent, so I got to be serious about it. And so they get into squabbles, right? 16-6, right? So almost always, and when I say almost always, I mean like always, I go to my daughter, and she's in more trouble. She's in more trouble than my son. I go, why? Everybody knows why. Because she should know better. She's 16, he's six, get it? Now, am I kicking my daughter out of my house? Am I throwing her out of the family? No, I'm judging her, not judging her, get it? So you don't get kicked out of the family. God doesn't throw you out of his family, but if you're a teacher, Edwin, teachers, There's a sense in which we've been given so much that we're accountable for more. It's like the burden that the wealthy have. 
If you have a great deal of wealth, you are accountable to God for your wealth. So I can't spend more time on that, but you get, I hope, I, I hope I've explained the gist of it. Now let's go into the rest of it. He goes, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. In other words, your mouth dictates where you're going. In fact, that leads us to today's big idea. The, what, all we want you to know today, the big idea of today, is that words direct the destiny and destination of my life. My words direct the destiny and the destination of my life. Your word, you can literally speak yourself into a divorce. You can speak yourself to the unemployment line. You can speak yourself into a cold marriage. You can speak yourself into a fight. You can speak. Words direct where you go, both internally, the words that you say to yourself, and externally, the words that you say to others. This is a big deal. When we put bits, now, James is basically going to illustrate what he just said. Look at verse 3 and 4. He goes, when we put bits into the mouths of horses or make them obey us, we can turn to the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. John, do you hear that echo? Yeah. Go ahead and... Okay. Um, They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants us to go. So think about this. A horse. Anybody ever seen, like, a horse? I know a bunch of Brooklyn and, you know, New Yorkers and Bronx and Queens people. Anybody here ever see a horse, like, for real, for real? Okay. Okay. I've seen a horse for real, for real. But let me tell you what scared the life out of me. A deer. (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know that deers are like, you know, has, has anybody else, like deer have like fantastic PR, right? Like their public relations consultants are phenomenal, right? Because I, I saw, I, I was at a, um, a, a retreat and there was this deer and it's Camp Deer Park. Some of you guys have been there. And so there's like a road that goes up to the thing. And I was walking down and it was a little bit late and I saw this beautiful, huge deer. They're not small. They're big. And so I saw this deer, and then he saw me. And I was like, Ivan Dito, I wish I had peanuts. I would give it to He's so beautiful. Give him a kiss on his little nose. And then he started to charge at me. And I felt the entire ground shake. No kidding. It was like, and if he did I was like, oh, my. Where is this going? Right? That's a deer. Horses are big, massive animals that people take into war. And, listen to me, horses can be totally controlled by this little thing called a bit. You put it in their mouth and you direct wherever they go. You could direct them off a cliff. Then there's this ship. And the ship, this massive Huge ship, not the kind of ship that you go on today on a cruise or anything like that, but the kind that, you know, they had this thing called a rudder. 
And it was a really small, tiny part of the ship in comparison to the rest of the ship. They had these huge sails and this wind, but no matter from where the wind was blowing, they could steer the ship. They could make this ship go off of a fall. They could make the ship go off of a fall with this itty bitty rudder. And James is saying, do you see, do you see that this little thing in your mouth, anybody here ever um, got tired like chewing something? Have you ever like, you know, had popcorn or peanuts or anything and your jaw got tired? Anybody? That's happened to me for sure because your jaw can get tired. You know what's never gotten tired? Never. You've never felt like your tongue is tired. And it's a muscle. You've never felt like your tongue is tired. You know why? You know why? James is telling us something. Your tongue, your words, they can direct your whole life. In fact, some of you are where you are. You go, why, God? Why am I where I am? Beloved, your words. It's your words. Words that you tell you. Words that if you said to any one of your friends, you'd have no more friends. And words that you've said to others. Your words, they're powerful. Because your words can direct the destiny and the destination of your life. Your words have that power. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set um, on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire world of evil um, uh, among the parts of the body. It, It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself unset on fire by hell. Oh my goodness. What do we do with this? Think about this. You know how, like, earlier this year they had these, like, uh, 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 like, forest fires where people had to, like, literally leave their houses because the fire just kept on going and there was nothing anybody can do? Inevitably, inevitably, you know what starts those massive impossible to put out fires? Literally an act of God has to put them out. Like, you have to just pray for rain. Like, it's just... Like, there's nothing that can put these things out. And they take out miles and miles and miles. You know, you know what starts those off? Inevitably, you find out, oh, yeah, someone was in a campfire, and they had those little lighters, and then it went, and they didn't t- attend to it. Someone didn't properly put out their little fire out. Right. You know why? Because a, it does, to have a massive fire, you don't need a massive fire. You just need a little spark. That's what your tongue is. It's the little spark. It's set, literally, James says, and is itself set on fire by hell. Do you know that your tongue could be a tool of Satan? Oh, my gosh, I feel this so bad. When I think of the words that I've used, in my leadership, with my family. Oh, my goodness. Literally, our tongues could be a tool for Satan's work. 
You could be influenced. We got listen to me. Our words direct the destiny and the destination of our lives. All kinds of animals, he goes back to his illustrations, and this is really important. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures and being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Now, it's true that sometimes, it's true that sometimes you hear of a, a shark attack or a lion mauls like, you know, some, some person in a, in, a, in a safari or something like that, right? You hear about that. But it, we can't really argue that much. Mankind has pretty much subdued the animal kingdom. Like nobody in here is worried about being attacked by, an, by a tiger when you leave here, right? And it's probably not something you would ever think about for the rest of your life, right? Nobody's worried about a gorilla attack, right? We've subdued all animals. You know what we can't subdue? That's our tongue, right? But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. Now I'm going to come back to that verse 8 because I think that there's a little hope in that verse 8, and we want to come back to it. With the tongue, we praise the Lord and Father, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow out of the same spring? My, my brothers and sisters, can tree, a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What, what James is saying here is that nothing in nature is like the tongue. Nothing in nature. You can't get olives from a fig tree. But you can get a person speaking out of both sides of their mouth. You can be a person speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Do you see? Nowhere else. If it's a saltwater spring, it's always a saltwater spring. Forever a saltwater spring. If it's a freshwater spring, forever a freshwater spring. But I could literally come in here and sing, and right now, through the good times and bad, you are on the throne. You are God alone. And then leave here and hurt my wife or my kids or one of the people in this church with my words. With the same words. James is going, this shouldn't be for us. That if we're in Christ, that there should be something different about us in this. Which leads to where I think our hope is. It's in this verse 8. It says this, but no human being can tame the tongue. The reason that that's hopeful to me is because I'm reminded, do, do you remember Jesus is giving a very challenging talk about wealthy people. And he's saying, those of y'all who have stuff, like more than you need, those of y'all who do that, listen to me. It's impossible for you to enter the kingdom of God. Then Jesus goes on to say, okay, you are more likely to get a camel. Have you ever seen a camel in real life? 
A camel who right now, sitting on the stage, if a camel was right there on the floor, he'd still be taller than me. It's easier to thread a camel through a needle than you would to get a rich person into heaven. And then the disciples come back, and what did they say? Because they thought to be rich is to be blessed. In fact, in America, you think to be poor is to be cursed, and to be rich is to be blessed. But if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about God's special concern for the poor, special blessing, special favor for the poor. But Jesus says, but they thought, like we think, to be rich is blessed, to be poor is cursed. And so Jesus says, it's impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. It's impossible for us to tame our tongue, impossible for us to change our words, but But if we don't come at this in a legalistic way, if we recognize that the God who would come himself to sacrifice his life on the cross, that same God would give us his Holy Spirit to change our heart and, in fact, change our words. I'm telling you. And this is why. If you don't know Jesus, listen, everything I just said is true. Watch your mouth. Do the best you can. But if you you know Christ... This is where the transformation happens. We can go, each one, we could go, God, I'm going to use these words. You see these words? I'm going to use these words. I want them to be a blessing. I don't want them to hurt anybody. I don't want them to cause wounds. I don't want to cause more scars in the lives of the people that I know and that I don't know. And the people that I love and that I don't love. I don't want to do that anymore. God, would you transform me? Would you help me speak? Remind me of the words that you speak to me, that I might speak them to my wife, that I might speak them to my children, that I might speak them to my friends, that I might speak them to my coworkers, that I might speak them. Not because they've been spoken to us by other people, but because God himself has given us kind words, words of assurance, Words of mercy, words of forgiveness, words of tenderness, words of wooing, words of calling us unto himself, words that take on the burden of others. Jesus is literally hanging on a cross because of the harm that's being done to him. And he uses his words to bless them. Jesus, who comes to live in us, does what is impossible on our own. He can change our words. Now, that's the message, but I got a test for you. Okay? So, if you have a pen, pencil, or mascara, I want you to write this down. Okay? I want you to write this down. I have a challenge for you. And the reason that I have this challenge for you is because I want you to walk around recognizing how impossible this is for you. And I know that there are some of you here who go, oh my gosh, I never, I never sinned this. I'm so glad everybody else is here to hear this. I'm telling you, I'm talking to you. 
So here's the word challenge. This is not my challenge. There's this guy. His, his name is Jack Miller. He's dead now. But um, he lived not too long ago. He just recently died, like less than 15 years ago. He started this uh, ministry called Sonship. I think they changed the name now. But uh, he had this thing. It was called the, the tongue challenge or the tongue assignment. Um, I'm calling it the word challenge. So I just modified it slightly for us. But the, I, 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 it's not unique with me. It was, it was uh, his. Okay. So, by the way, some of my best ideas came from other people. And so... Take the word challenge. Here it is. So what I'm going to challenge you is for one week, see if you can prevent yourself from doing the list that we're going to give. All right? So let's look at this list. You can do this in your marriage. You can do this in your workplace. You can do this in your home. You can do this with your kids. You can do this with your uh, friends. You can do this in the meetings that you make. You can do this in the community um, uh, facilities that you're in. It just... Here's the word challenge. Number one, do not complain. Do not complain. Don't complain. No matter how tempting it is. Did they not put McDonald's sauce on your Big Mac? Do not complain. Right? Did you, did they, did you get skipped on something you should have got? Don't complain. I want you to go ahead and do that. Don't complain. Two, do not boast about anything. Don't boast about anything. Not on Twitter, not on Facebook. Not on Instagram. Don't boast about anything. Leave others to boast about you. You don't boast about you. Third, do not gossip or repeat bad information about someone else. I put that little caveat there because people go, well, it's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't repeat bad information about someone else. Don't repeat it. Not in a prayer request. Not, just don't repeat bad information about someone else. Okay, are you ready for a big one? Okay, all right. All right, listen. If you're an addict, just, just go like this if you, if you can. Just go like that if you can. I just want to see who I, okay, I got a few people, right? Okay. This one's for you, okay? This one's for you. Do not defend or excuse yourself. Do not defend or excuse yourself. You know how tempted I am to defend and excuse myself almost every day? It's ridiculous. Okay. And then lastly, this is the only positive one there. Affirm those around you Constantly. Affirm those around you constantly. So I was taught that however members there are in your family, you should give them 10 affirmations, 10 compliments, 10 kind words. And some of you wives are thinking, oh my gosh, there's nothing respectful or honorable about my husband. And some of you husbands are thinking, there's nothing. My wife is a mess. Or you could think of, you could think of something. You could think of something, right? Thank you so much for this food. This food is fantastic. Oh, my gosh, is that a new hairstyle? You look great. Boy, you make that shirt look good. You did such a great job cleaning the house. Hey, thanks for being a listening ear. Just encouraging words, 
affirmations. You, you're trying so hard. I just want you to know I notice. Affirmations. Now, here's what you're going to discover. What you're going to discover is before you leave this room, you will probably not, you have probably failed the, the word challenge. That's probably what's going to happen. Only if you stay quiet. Like, um, that's probably what's going to happen. But the reason that the word challenge exists is not because I, wanna, um, I want you to try harder and do better, but I want you to see how hopeless it is to try to tame the tongue on your own. And once you recognize that, I want you to start talking to God about how you talk. Talk to God about how you talk to him. Talk to God about how you talk to others. Now, if we do this, could you imagine? Could you imagine what kind of a congregation we would be? A congregation that someone could offend us that we don't have to offend them. Someone who could accuse us and we don't have to defend ourselves. Someone could, could mistreat us and we don't feel the need to teach them a lesson. Oh my goodness, what kind of a congregation would we be? Let me tell you what kind of congregation. You would be, this would be a congregation that you would love to come to. This would be a family you would love to grow in. This would be a community that you would love to invite your friends to. That's what this would be. And so we are going to be a people, right? This is us. We're going to be a people. Listen, you don't have to lie about what you've done and who you are. You don't have to lie about that anymore. Let your words be words that glorify God. You don't have to. Oh, we're, okay. So if that's the case, I want you to take the challenge. And I want you to, well, you don't have to tell me how you've done so far. But I want you to just recognize in your homes at your workplace, that we desperately need Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you, take this challenge, and you'll see how desperately you need God to come and change our heart. With man, this is impossible. But with God, even the impossible become possible. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm such a hypocrite. My words have been used so much to hurt others. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Probably need the forgiveness of a lot of people in this room. And so, Lord, would you just speak to me about my words? Help me as I take this challenge in my own heart. Help me to turn to you, to find in you the beautiful words that you've spoken over me. Let them wash over me till they come through me.
Father, for those of us who have used words that have literally destroyed marriages and done irreparable harm to our children and families, would you have mercy? Have mercy on us. Would you remind us that with you there's hope? Would you remind us, O oh Lord, that we're far worse than we think we are, but more loved than we ever dreamed? And so help us to turn to you and to love you and to bring our words to your feet, asking that you might transform every part of us. Make that real, even our words. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. Two things before we sing. One is I'm going to go upstairs and take a nap because I'm a little under the weather, and so I don't want to get anybody sick, so I'm not going to be there. Number two, they're cooking an incredible meal back there. Two words for you. Pernil flan. Okay? All right, I'm just saying. All right? If you don't know what that is, you don't know what you're missing. You got to go in there, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. When you walk in there, I want you to talk about, as you're eating, I want nobody moving around. I want you to talk about what God's word spoke to you today. Amen. What are, so here's a couple of questions you can think about. What about the word, what about God's word convicted you. When I say convicted you, means like, oh, that, uh, I don't want to admit that's me, but that's me. You know, pointed out some of your sin. Second, what, what about God's word today challenged you to run to him with? Lastly, who can be blessed Maybe by your confession to them, admitting that you've been using your words as, as weapons. Who's going to be blessed because God has taught you this? Those are just some of the questions. You don't have to talk about those questions. Just some of the questions that you can talk about while you're in there having like a gourmet five-star Puerto Rican meal. I'm just